Candice. Amy, how are you? I'm awesome. How are you? I'm great. Well, let me just thank everyone for tuning in to Speaking Candidly with Candace. I'm your host, Candace Schoner, and today I will be talking with Amy Wixhorn about how sudden facial paralysis changed her life and how she is helping others achieve their goals, regardless of their personal challenges. Would you say that's pretty accurate? Yes, ma'am. You hit the nail on the head. I love it when that happens. So let's start at the beginning. How old were you when you noticed that the muscles on your face were paralyzed? Well, it was um, a morning like any other. You know, you just think everything's going to be normal. I was 36 years old. I had just moved back to Charlottesville, Virginia and fell asleep one night, completely normal, woke up the next day and the entire right side of my face was completely paralyzed. What goes through your mind at that time? Or what went through your mind at the time? Well, I think it's pretty common to think that you've had a stroke, right? What's going on? Uh, right. So I, I went to the mirror. I noticed something was drastically wrong. It felt like my face was asleep, like your leg goes asleep or your hand goes asleep if you cut it off from circulation. So I felt something wrong right away. But then when I looked in the mirror, I knew something was drastically wrong. I had two young children at the time, so my focus was getting them taken care of and on the bus and finding medical help because I checked my pupils. They were both equal and reactive. Um, I didn't have any lack of cognition. My hands and feet seemed to be working fine. And so I took a risk and got them ready. And you on did the take bus. a risk. I did. Um, and immediately called a doctor who I had yet to meet in person. We had just moved to this area after being undergrads here 10 years prior and had to say, hi, I have an appointment with you, but you've never met me, but I need help now. And he was incredible and helped guide me through what began as my healing in 2002 and continues today. So you are able to speak. That wasn't like you were totally paralyzed. Well, what happens with Bell's palsy in particular, and also what you see happening now with uh, Justin Bieber, is one side of your face becomes paralyzed. And so right. while it may not be the easiest thing in the world to speak, um, I've always been blessed with the gift of gab, I would say. <laughs> That's a good way to think about it. And so I managed to speak fairly comprehensible, but... Um, you know, it causes such an amount of fatigue and just like any of you listening that have any physical impairment or shortcoming, whether you were born with it or whether you earned it through your life, you have to make accommodations and speech surely is one of those things. But I'm a public speaker today, so I'm thrilled to say that it didn't have a lasting impact in that regard. And you mentioned when we talked earlier that you made several lifestyle changes and we should say before you were actually diagnosed with having Bell's palsy, correct? Yes, I was very lucky to have excellent medical care. And that's one of the reasons I volunteer in my local community to ensure that other women have that same opportunity and access when at all possible. But my doctor immediately, even on the phone call, he said, I don't think you need to panic. I think I know what it is, but I do want you to come in as soon as possible. And so I, I, I saw him within... 15 minutes of my children getting on the school bus. And is it correct that the cause or the exact cause of Bell's palsy is unknown? 
Correct. The mechanism is that you have something called your seventh cranial nerve, and that nerve is actually encased in bone. And so should the nerve become irritated or swell in any way, it's hitting that bone. So it can become damaged or impaired. Um, they believe it could be viral. They believe stress may play a role, but I'll tell you from my personal experience, 100% in 2002, I was at high stress levels. We had just moved from the West Coast. There was a lot going on. But in my recurrence in 2017, I would say that was one of the most calm parts of my life because I had worked very hard to create that lifestyle. So I think we just chalk it up to they really don't know what causes it. And we do our best to learn what we can and navigate helping people heal. And it's such a larger conversation, right? Because everybody Absolutely. has something. It doesn't have to be Bell's palsy, but everybody has something, a thyroid condition, diabetes, blood pressure challenges. Some things aren't visible to others. And yet we all could look better, feel better, have more energy, sleep better. And that's our goal is to help. My goal is to help people with those pieces of the puzzle so they can focus on healing. Well, I have to say a lot of us complain about lack of sleep. So I know personally, sleep is very important to the mental health and physical health of somebody. Um, I recently just got a new mattress, so I'm sleeping like a baby. Oh, Thank God. good for you. Yeah, so sudden changes. But let's go back to, I kind of want to just continue to paint this picture of what life was like the first time you had Bell's palsy. I assume you were working at the time, is that correct? So I was blessed to be a stay-at-home mom, but I was very involved and a leader in our local community, ah. especially their um, the children's school, which was an amazing alternative school in Seattle, Washington. The school had actually fallen under threat of becoming very um, gentrified and uh, whitewashed. And so I was involved in a very public lawsuit against the city of Seattle asking them to please keep us as an all city option for everyone that might want to come to the school because as an alternative school, it allowed people to learn from experiential learning. Um, right. So like all moms, I was busy, right? Uh, I had two littles, a third grader and a sixth grader. We had just moved across the country. And when we landed, unfortunately, we found out that their grandfather was very ill, had fallen oh ill. My. Yes, he had fallen ill very suddenly and passed away a month later. And he was beloved by many, but especially by his family. And uh, his memory is a treasure and a blessing. But that loss certainly was um, just unbelievable for the family to have it happen so quickly. And he was only in his late 60s. Uh, quite a surprise, extremely picture of health, wow. if you will. So there was a lot. Well, going you meant, on. sorry to interrupt, but you did mention that stress they think may play a part in it. And you Which obviously under a great deal of stress. Right. But would 50%. Right. Because the next time I had it, I didn't have those stresses. So is this something that you fear that you can get again that will reoccur possibly down the road? To be honest, I'm always prepared for that, but I'm comfortable knowing if that were to happen, I could totally manage it. And I work and invest in my health every single day, not just for that. I mean, to be honest, one of the things that I talk about is the gift that Bell's palsy was to me because it was a wake up call. And I don't want people to have to wait until their face is paralyzed to realize that their health is their wealth 
and that they do need to double down and invest in sleep like you just did with that new mattress or walking every day or eating better or whatever it is for them to do the things we need to do now so we don't have to address those physical challenges later. So you just said it was a wake-up call and kind of grateful for it. Um, What are some of the lifestyle changes that you've made that is providing you with better health? Well, 100%, I think. (laughs) It feels like sometimes, right? Um, I learned not to make myself busy. I just said, you know, there are only so many hours in a day. And the most famous, wealthy, well-known people in the world that have accomplished the most that we see and think, wow, you know, look at that person. Look at what they're doing. Mother Teresa, look at her. I have the same hours in the day as she does. So this stress that I've put on myself, like you've got to get everything done. You've got to get this going. You've got to check everything off your list. I've got to stop focusing on that and start focusing on my kids, you know, my home, my happiness. The biggest change I made that's kind of actionable for anybody other than a mindset shift is I just got rid of all the toxins in my household. I had absolutely no idea that if I could buy it on the shelf at a large store, that it could be dangerous to me. I honestly just thought if I have access to a product, it's got to be safe. And it couldn't be further for the truth from me. I am not able to be healthy when I have all the things that you can think of in your head right now that you clean your toilet with, that you spray your air with, that you burn a candle with, that you clean with. I need those products to be natural for me to maintain my health and my allergies improved, my weight decreased, my sleep improved, my mental health improved, and I began to heal more. And I've experienced very similar situation with the change, particularly in my diet, not necessarily toxins, though I do use a lot of home homeopathic remedies or cleaning products. Um, So I know you use believe in essential oils. And that's one of the ways that you're. I do. And, and the way I think about it is if anybody tells you that there's just one company with one product out there, and that's the only thing that you will help them run, run as fast as you can, because the answer is what works for you. And I happen to love essential oils and those oils spill over into supplements and incredible drinks that are good for me and my cleaning products and all the things I use day to day. My makeup is from an essential oil company, but that doesn't have to be the answer for everybody, right? It just needs to be something that they find accessible, understandable, and implementable. You can have all the knowledge in the world. Yeah. If you don't act on it, it, you know, I know a lot about what I should be doing with exercise, but I'll be honest, I don't do it. Well, you mentioned weight loss um, and the benefits that you've had is the weight loss and my ears perked up. I'm sure the audience's ears perked up as well. Um, Can you tell me before you kind of remove some of the toxins in your life, what your life was like, what kind of products you had, what you ate and all that? I mean, I was your average typical Joe, right? Like I would uh, run to fast food places or even nice restaurants. We made mainly homemade dishes at home. uh, But I would use, you know, the stuff you clean on glasses, put any name in there, the scrub that you might use in your bathroom. 
any sort of brand name that you can get at a big box store. That's what I was using because that's what I grew up on. That's what I knew. Right now. Do right. I still use things like bleach? Yes, I do. To me, bleach is somewhat natural. Do I still use things like barkeepers friends? Yes. But not every product that I grab is full of toxins. Some of them are full of things like clove oil and orange oil and baking soda and vinegar. So none of this has to be expensive and none of this has to be complicated. But if you clean a bathroom and you have a migraine after, that's a red flag. If you're exhausted all the time, my fingers just always felt like sausages, right? I always yeah. had like a little wheat belly. Um, you know, and that this is at 36. Now I'm 55 and feel better than I did then. So these changes can make a difference in your life long term. That's awesome. I love that you're pointing that out because, you know, as I get older, I'm having to make some lifestyle changes on my own, including diet. And um, yeah, I feel incredibly better, particularly getting getting rid of wheat and, you know, bread and the carbs and all of that. And the brain fog that was affecting me because of um, the bad carbohydrates. Exactly. So, let me ask you this, going back again to your first episode. I'm going to call it an episode, I don't know if that's the right term, with Bell's Palsy. Um, I know most people recover, at least I believe, recover in a couple of weeks. What was your recovery like? So recovery varies widely, and doctors are hesitant to say what will happen. Um, I think part of my challenge was that my onset was so severe. Not everybody starts where I started. I started, you know, when you're completely paralyzed, there's not much more you can do. So you've got a lot of progress that you can make. I'll say it that way. Um, my first experience, I was in an eye patch because one of the tricks about Bell's palsy is in addition to being paralyzed, part of what your muscles do is they keep your eyes closed or open. And in a trick of fate, your eye freezes open. So one of the most important things you can do, should you experience this, is to protect your eye. Because while the paralysis might improve, if you hurt the actual eye, that's going right. to be a long-term challenge. So I wore an eye patch for nine months before I could close my eye enough to sleep at night the first time. I didn't find wellness solutions like the essential oils until the second recurrence or the first recurrence. And that's when doctors told me, you know, you've had this before. This is nerve damage a second time. You're 15 years older. Your recovery is not to be expected to be similar. You need to prepare yourself. And in fact, my recovery was one third the time. I was out of my eye patch in three months that time. Wow. And your eyes both times froze open. Yes, I think everybody's does. Oh, okay. I didn't, wasn't sure if they ever froze closed. So Wouldn't that be polite of them, though? Wouldn't that be more helpful? Well, not really. <laughs> you wouldn't be able to see where you were going. So well, that's I, better than open. <laughs> and, it's, and it's usually on one side of the face. Is it usually on the right or left or the dominant? If someone's left-handed, right-handed, do you know? It varies wildly it i varies. had it happen on the right side both times and once you were diagnosed with this i you sound like you are one of these people that might have done your own research am i correct oh like a crazy woman i told people if they <laughs> you know if they just told me if you hop on your left leg for 13 hours straight it will help you i will do that so 
part and parcel of what I experienced was the incredible change between 2002 and 2017 with the World Wide Web and Facebook, right? So in 2002, it was just me, my friends, my family, a little bit of internet. And in 2017, I went online and had a cornucopia of resources. And so, you know, I did a post that said something along the lines of, it was a picture of Sam Jackson. And I said, if you see me with an eye patch, don't be stressed. This is what's going on. I've got it under control. And I had so many people give me great advice, direct me to non-toxic living, share solutions like lysine, which can help nerve damage hypothetically. It was such a benefit. And so while I would always caution anybody just to go Google something because now the internet has kind of evolved in kind of a different way, right? It can be a little overwhelming, but as long as you're discerning and careful and confirm what you're finding with your physician and work in partnership with your physician, there's just so many resources out there. We're so blessed. What type of physician did you go to? Was it a neurologist, a general practitioner? So again, I was very lucky. I started with my uh, general practitioner. And at the time I was at a function at Darden Business School, which is a local business school here in Charlottesville at UVA, if you're listening somewhere else. And um, this man walked up to me and said, your face is what I do. And I want to see you in my office tomorrow. And I was like, hi, my name's Amy. Wow. Because <laughs> he was a, he's like a genius doctor, that's, right? Not that's a incredible. Genius, <laughs> not a genius uh, friendship maker. But I knew an opportunity when it was before me and was so grateful for him. And he took me in and researched and did all sorts of tests. Um, you know, the story gets a little complicated here and there at times. Uh, they were concerned I might have had a tumor on my brain. They did an MRI and that was very concerning. But here I am from 2002 to 2022 and I'm doing better than ever. So I'm very grateful for that. So I did in fact see a neurologist, even though that wasn't from my initiation. Well, one of the things that I've always appreciated about you is your positive energy. And I'm imagining, or I'm wondering, did you, you couldn't have stayed positive throughout this whole experience. I mean, there must've been some down periods. Always. And, and I would tell anybody, you know, that's one of the tricks is to be so thoughtful of others. Because of course, with, especially with two small kids, it was very important to me to maintain everything I could as completely normal to stay positive. My family was a great support and help. My dad told me um, as a joke to lighten the mood. Uh, I hope everybody out there understands this sort of humor that tell my kids that when you lie to your mom for that thousandth time, this is what happens to her face. And we all (laughs) fell on the floor laughing (laughs) at that. Um, So that's one of the reasons I volunteer on this issue so much women's health is because I had an inordinate amount of resources at my feet, and that's not everybody's experience, but certainly some of those needed to be emotional because it is devastating sometimes. You know, you, you want to be able to smile. You want to be able to eat without concern. You want to be able to sleep with your eye closed. It's exhausting physically. Um, it was a huge challenge, but I think all things that make a really big impact on our lives are right? If you think about your own life, if you look back and you think, 
What are the biggest things that ever happened to me, whether good or bad, that really formed me as a person, changed me into a better person or gave me a skill I never had? They're generally hard things. So I, I would invite people not to shy away from those and to embrace them and to be honest about, yep, there were absolutely pity parties and times where I just thought, oh, for goodness sakes. But to know that that's okay, that's authentic, that's just being real. But I, but I love the fact that you're, you were so resilient and really, you know, try to keep a bright face on, no pun intended, I really did not mean that. That's perfect. Um, with uh, with your family and friends. I'm talking about the outward appearance because if you do see someone with Bell's palsy and you see that their face is sort of frozen, um, it can be a little odd. Um, did you ever feel uncomfortable in public because of it? Because so much of women's self-esteem and the way society has been with women that you know we have to have our makeup on and we're dressed right and we look perfect. Um, talk about that a little bit. A hundred percent. Well, and I can also tell you even 20 years later, it's not as easy to put on makeup, right? As somebody who's not fully recovered or speaking to anyone out there who has any sort of challenge with their face, all of those public and kind of, you know, putting on makeup and all of that becomes a little bit harder. And for me, I think I was lucky in two ways. And first is just pretty basic. I had long hair and I could let that mm -hmm. long hair hang over my face to some extent. And secondly, I think just how I was raised. I was very blessed. My dad uh, was in the Navy. My mom was a Navy wife. And our attitude was always, you know, that we have been blessed and that we are grateful for our blessings. And if you are not in immediate danger, you can figure what you're what's happening out. You can make it better. Um, and I probably was lucky that I was married and I had kids, right? It wasn't like I was right. thinking, how am I going to date again? Um, I was thinking, how am I going to eat pizza without it being a huge pain in the butt again? Um, but that you're had to be a challenge. Right. Oh gosh. Eating was a full-time challenge, but it was also interesting. I remember that's the thing people, adults felt the most comfortable commenting on was my appearance. Um, I had strangers say things like, oh, and you used to be so pretty. Oh. And you just wow. think, can you Someone please? needs to edit what they're saying before they actually say it out loud. Exactly. Then there were curiosities, which I embraced and tried to educate people, you know, does it hurt? Can I catch it from you? Um, you know, are you dangerous? And I'm like, well, if you can, I reckon you did because you're standing right in front of me talking to me. Um, so it, in a way you become an ambassador and an educator, right? And I usually find the best way to do that to be through being completely direct and honest, humble because you don't know everything about it and right. using humor. Speaking so of I, questions, yeah, which somebody asked you, which I didn't think about asking, but did it hurt? Oh, it was very painful, extremely painful. Um, part of the pain resulted from the nerves trying to regenerate or, I guess, circulation mm. coming back. Um, it wasn't painful all the time, but I would often feel like I was being electrically shocked. Oh, wow. I had no idea because my uh, cousin had it um, when he was about, I think, about the same age you got, about 35, 40. He was a lawyer. And um, we never talked about whether it was painful. 
Yeah. And I think it varies person to person too, but, um, at first you're just interested in getting better and whether it hurts or not is irrelevant. And then all of a sudden you realize nine months later, you're living with kind of a constant nagging, surprising pain. Um, and to this day, you know, my teeth on my upper, uh, I don't know, mandible. Yes. I watch bones on TV. Uh, (laughs) my teeth, my upper teeth are sinking on the right side Uh. because they don't have any musculature to hold them up. Cause while I have recovered, I haven't recovered a lot. So that's the other thing I would encourage people to think about is it's okay to still be in recovery and it's okay to still be supportive of friends who might be navigating any sort of thing like that. You know, I have friends who have unfortunately managed their way through cancer and they're not the same. And being honest and open and supportive about that is so much better than just thinking, well, I'm so glad everything's back to normal. And I totally agree as, as an advocate for mental health. I think when we hold, I know personally, when we hold things in, it is totally unhealthy, both physically and mentally. And to be able to have conversations about what is ever, ever going on with you. And you mentioned being authentic and you are so authentic, which I also, I greatly appreciate is I think if more people were authentic, said exactly how they were feeling and people really listened, because I think one of the problems in our society is people don't necessarily listen for the answer. They ask the question politely, like everyday language, we would say, walking in the streets, how do you feel? Right. Someone would say, fine. And that was it. You didn't really care. Yeah. So uh, tell me, you know, some advice you would get for people who are struggling with something, whether it's mental or physical, um, that you think maybe you came up with through your own experience or someone advice that someone else gave you? I think the most important thing is to get help. There's nothing wrong with getting help. Our society in some ways wants you to be able to fix whatever's wrong with you immediately, quickly. Don't be a bother. Take a pill. Um, get a good night's rest. Walk it off. Don't buy into any of that. Let yourself feel all your feelings own what's happening, be real with yourself and others, and get the help that you need. There are a lot of public agencies out there that are working to make that happen, but keep asking until you get what you need because you deserve it. Healing is for everybody. You don't have an obligation to suffer. There's no benefit to that. You deserve health. You deserve happiness. You deserve balance. And there are a million resources out there And we encourage you to reach out, whether it's your doctor, your psychologist, your mom, your dad, your friends, your roommate, your spouse, just ask for help because you are loved, you are valued, and the world needs you. And the world needs more people like you. And we've only got a couple minutes left. And so I want to ask you what you're doing now. And also, um, if you would be happy to give your contact information out to the listeners who may want to talk to you more about your story and maybe get some help from you. Absolutely. So I'm really thrilled. I'm part of a group whose goal is to help people start and grow businesses from home. So I'm a business strategist that helps coach people on the business that two six-figure businesses that we've started in the last few years, as well as health and wellness. So we help you take control of your finances and your health. The best way to reach me is probably on Facebook. I'm Amy Wicks Horn or the Resilient and Successful Families Facebook group. 
but you can always email me at amywicks at comcast.net and I'll be happy to do anything I can to help you. So many people helped me. It is my privilege to pay it forward. I love when people pay it forward and thank you for having this conversation with me today and um, it's been a big help. Well, I just love everything that you do. I'm so happy to hear your voice and be here. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Amy. And if you have thoughts of suicide, confidential help is available for free at the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Call 1-800-273-8255. The line is available 24 hours every day. Thanks for, the listener, for listening. And remember, every cloud has a silver lining.